gift of forgiveness, in fact, is the title of this, this morning. And I want to begin by telling you my, one of my favorite stories of forgiveness. Um, it's an important one because when I was about 10 years old, I did something that really scared a lot of people in my family. It was a big family reunion. My, my grandparents had a farm out in Richmond before Richmond looked like it does now. It was just pretty, pretty much farmland. Anybody live out by Richmond? Anybody besides Barry? Uh, that, uh, <laughs> there he is in the back. Um, I was playing with my cousins all over the place. My grandfather actually had rented out uh, the fields to farmers to um, grow corn and such, but he actually cut out, just like Field of Dreams, a softball field. The family loved to play baseball. Uh, we had a friend that worked for the Tigers organization, so we had um, a, a softball field on the farm. It was pretty awesome. We had a lot of people come out to the farm, and I was running around with my cousins. Like I said, I was about 10 years old, and I found some matches on the ground, and I remember picking those up and putting them in my pocket, not quite knowing what to do um, with them, but I kind of knew, you know, obviously with 10, what matches can do. And so I was playing with my cousins, and we went up into the barn, up into the loft of the barn, and that's where all the hay was. And Well, they, they after a little while, they, they climbed down, and I, I was by myself for a minute, and I thought, you know, oh, I have these matches, and I lit one to see... Um, what it would do, and I set it in the hay, and I didn't realize at that age how flammable hay, <laughs> dry hay, in a barn can be. And so the fire started, I freaked out, I panicked, I you know, climbed down the steps, and I took off. And within minutes, I heard somebody screaming, the barn's on fire, the barn's on fire. And I looked, and, and it was on fire, <laughs> and it was coming out of the barn, and and everybody's running over there and throwing sand, and, and the fire trucks came, and it was, it was pandemonium at, at, at the farm. But then the search began of how it got started. <laughs> and uh, eventually I fessed up and um, apologized, and uh, when they asked uh, if anyone was with me, I said, yeah, my cousins, because misery loves company, even though they had climbed down and... Uh, were not a part of it. They were completely innocent. But years later, years later, my cousin and I were playing again, once again, at the farm. And uh, out of nowhere, my cousin says to me, I think now would be a good time for you to tell Grandma and Grandpa that I'm innocent. <laughs> it wasn't me. And I'm like, I don't want to bring this up again. I was embarrassed. You know, I didn't want to do this, but... He insisted, so we went to the kitchen where my grandma was, where all Italian grandmothers are, right, in the kitchen, cooking up a 10-course meal, and just in case somebody stops by. Um, but I told her, uh, per my cousin's request, that he was innocent, and once again, I'm sorry for starting a fire in the barn. I should say, of course, no one was injured in the fire, no animals were hurt, nothing um, insurance covered the cost, but still, I'm sorry once again, Grandma. And I'll never forget what happened next. She looked us both in the eye, and she said, Boys, I forgot about that a long time ago. Go run along and play. I was so relieved, especially since she always had a big wooden spoon in her hand. <laughs> but what a relief it is to be forgiven. 
Isn't it? Do you agree? Say amen. Because I love to be forgiven. It's a comfort to be forgiven. To really be forgiven, truly be forgiven, where the person actually, in essence, forgets what happened. I think that's what it means to be forgiven from the heart. But the truth is, when someone holds a grudge, you can't really move the relationship forward. Today, Jesus is going to teach us how to forgive from the heart and how to really keep on forgiving. So we go to him in prayer and we ask him to teach us um, through me. Let's pray. Father, as John the Baptist said, I must decrease and you must increase. May your spirit teach us this morning. May I just be a vessel today to bring your word. May you guide us and comfort us and really help us to forgive. Because we know when we forgive from the heart, you can restore every relationship. I pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. I want to answer a series of questions about forgiveness. The first one being, why must we forgive others? Uh, honestly, if, if you're not a Christian, I'm not talking to you. If you are a Christian, then I'm sorry, you have to hear this. You cannot hold a grudge. If you're not a Christian, you can hold all the grudges. I don't know any teaching that tells you you can't. But if you're a Christian, Colossians 3.13 says you can't hold a grudge. Here's what it says. Bearing with one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord forgave you, you must forgive. You've got to forgive because the Lord forgave you. That's the simple, plain teaching. If you don't hear anything else today, please hear that. You must forgive others because the Lord has forgiven you. And in a little bit, you're going to see the comparison that Jesus gives in a parable about the unmerciful servant. And it's quite a comparison about how we must forgive others and how God has forgiven us. So, I said earlier, every message this month has led up to this baby dedication, helping parents understand Jesus grabbed a child, probably Peter Jr., that little rascal, held him in his arms, and he started teaching the disciples about how to discipline, what it means to discipline, dare to discipline. In fact, I said I had an old copy of it that I read a long time ago, and I love this church because I walked, in this, uh, walked around this week, and somehow, some way, two brand new copies of Dare to Discipline showed up. They're on the back shelf. All those books are free. If you're a parent and you want a book called Dare to Discipline, I'd suggest you take it. I'm so thankful that people listen to my sermons and actually act on them. <laughs> so, two brand new books back there, Dare Discipline. Thank you for doing that, whoever did that. But Jesus also talked about humility, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The disciples were arguing about that. Who's the greatest? Humility, that's really what matters. And he also taught, uh, taught the parable of the lost sheep, that Jesus will leave the 99 to chase after the one. And man, are we ever the one, aren't we? when the Lord seeks after us. Now he's teaching us about forgiveness. The gift of forgiveness. It is truly a gift. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to Matthew 18. If you're our guest today, if you don't have a Bible, we have free Bibles that were donated by a very wonderful man, and he wants to make sure the Word of God's in everyone's hands. So back, on the, um, TV, back by the TV there, if you want a free Bible, you can take one of those, as well as a coffee mug if you're thirsty for coffee later on. You can have a Life of Purpose coffee mug for, uh, for being a guest. But Matthew chapter 18, 
Open up your Bible to verse 21 if you want to see it on the screen that's up here. Peter, the disciple of Jesus, came to him and said, Lord, and I'm sure this came on the heels of Jesus talking about discipline in the church and how many times um, should a person be restored in the church. He said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, Jesus said, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. That's the word there used, 70 times seven. So the question is, how many times should you forgive other people? Here's what you need to know about Peter. He grew up as a Jewish boy learning from the rabbis, like all Jewish boys do. And what he learned from the rabbis, what they taught in the, um, you know, in the synagogue, is that you forgive three times. Maximum. That's it. Not four. Why is it three and not four? Well, I will tell you why it's three and not four. Let's talk about famous Amos. Before he was famous for cookies, he was a prophet. All right? In Amos chapter 2, verse 4. Amos, the prophet, spoke for God. He talks about some cities that were um, going to be destroyed because or judged for um, their um, denying God or walking away from God. Verse 4, thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they have rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his statutes, but their lies have led them astray. So Amos says, basically from the Lord, three transgressions are forgiven, but not four. So rabbis taught their people, you forgive three times, but not the fourth time. Peter, how incredibly merciful you are to suggest to Jesus seven times. Isn't that what what he says to Jesus? I will forgive seven times. But Jesus calls his seven and raises him 483 times. You know I like to do the math, all right? uh, 70 times seven, 490. But this is Jesus' point. It's not about the number. It's not about the number. You just keep on forgiving. In the church today, how many times can a person mess up, then fess up, and be restored? There's not a number. Parents, how many times will you forgive your child when they do wrong? There's not a number. And by the way, you don't want a number. Because if there is one, then it's applied to you too. Don't stop forgiving is what Jesus is teaching. How can I forgive someone if they do something horrible? Pastor, you don't understand what they've done to me. It's horrible. How can I forgive them for that? Well, Jesus gives us this comparison to go by. Verse 23, we keep reading in this passage. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. He began to settle, and one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, how much is 10,000 talents? The answer to that is, 
Aren't you glad you have a former math teacher to answer these questions for you that come up in the Bible? One talent of gold is worth 20 years' wages. One talent of gold worth 20 years' wages. That means 200,000 years of work to pay back the king. And let me bring it down to days. 73 million days of work to pay back the king. He couldn't do it, clearly. Since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold, verse 25, with his wife and children, all that he had, until payment was made. So what did the servant do? He fell on his knees, begging the king, have patience with me, I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him his debt. Now, when I read that, I thought, forgave him his debt? Like he just said, that's it? You don't owe anything? No. Forgave here means to release him, to send him away. He didn't say, you don't owe me anything. He just sent him away. Well, this man went away. And as he was walking home, as he was going home, the next verse tells us, verse 28, he found a fellow servant that owed him a hundred denarii. And he grabbed him, and he choked him. Pay me what you owe me. By the way, one denarii is a day's wage. This man owed him a hundred days of work. So his fellow servant fell down, pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. And he went and put him in prison until he could pay back the debt. Well, the other servants heard about this. They saw what took place, and they were greatly distressed. Wouldn't you be very upset with this man? Look what he's done. They went and reported it to their master, all that had taken place. Verse 32, his master summoned him back and said, you are a wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he paid back the whole debt. And Jesus makes this connection about forgiveness. He says in verse 35, So also will my heavenly Father do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Jesus is saying to them, was saying to them, he's saying to us today, your sin is like 10,000 talents of gold. Your sin in God's eyes is like 73 million days of work owed. And when someone does something to you, when someone wrongs you, it's like 100 days compared to your 73 million. I hope that convinces you to forgive. You say, okay, fine, Pastor, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. <laughs> How many times have you thought that? How many times have someone, some, someone said that to you, or you just know they said they forgive, but they aren't forgetting? Well, doesn't uh, the Bible say somewhere that God forgives and forgets? Haven't we read that somewhere or been told that somewhere or somebody preached that somewhere? Let me help you understand what it means to forgive and to forgive.
forget? Well, first of all, no one can really forget what happened. I mean, how can you forget? I don't care how wonderful of a saint you are, how godly you are, no one gets holy amnesia. (laughs) Not happening. You're not forgetting what someone has done to you. And guess what? If God wanted to produce a list of all your sins, he could do it. He doesn't forget, but he doesn't produce that list. Here's why. Let's understand what does it mean to forgive and forget. Hebrews 8.12, God says, I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. In essence, he's saying, I will forget their sins. Jeremiah The the prophet in the Old Testament says the same thing. But what does this mean? Let me give you uh, an example of what it means. Have you ever been told by someone, just wait here, I'll be right back. They go away. I feel like every time I go to um, the doctor's office, wait here, (laughs) the doctor will be right in. (laughs) I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I've waited so long, sometimes I just walk out. I'm just like, I can't wait any longer. This is crazy. They forgot about me. They must have forgotten about me. You ever feel that way? They just forgot about you? And it's like, you can hear voices in the other room, but they just, they forgot about you. Noah spent a year in the ark. About a year in the ark he built, floating around after the flood. Don't you think for a moment that Noah thought, God forgot about us? I mean, I obeyed him. I built the ark. I got all the animals in. The family's here. But God must have forgotten about us. But what does it say in Genesis 8-1? But God remembered Noah. Now, God didn't forget about Noah. What does it mean to remember Noah? It says God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark And God made a wind blow over the earth, and the waters subsided, so the ark found dry land. To remember is to act. To forget is to choose not to act. Do you see it now? When God forgives and forgets your sin, it simply means he chooses not to act, not to judge to have mercy instead. I think if we are to truly forgive and forget others when they sin against us, I think that translates to we no longer want to hurt them even though they hurt us. We're choosing not to act. We're choosing not to hurt them. We don't want to see them get hurt. We don't want to take revenge on them. We don't want them to have karma or whatever we call it these days. That's what it means to forgive and forget. We no longer want them to be hurt. How many times in your mind have you thought about taking revenge, acting on it? Oh, I could just do this to them, or I could just say this about them. I could think of a situation right now in my head. There's somebody out there that, not you, don't worry. I love you all. But we have that in our heads, and what we need to do is forgive and forget. And forget means I'm choosing no longer to want to hurt that person. That's really what it means. Now, why should you forgive someone if they don't ask you for forgiveness? Do you have those situations in your life? 
Well, I would forgive them if they had asked for it, if they'd admit they were wrong. But here's the thing. You need to forgive them even if they never ask. Because if you don't, then you're going to carry a lot of resentment, a lot of bitterness, a lot of anger. It's like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. You don't want to do that. You don't want to keep taking that, that bitter pill of resentment and bitterness and anger and expecting the other person to fall over or be hurt. It doesn't work. So you should let it go. Forgive um, and let it go. Another question, why should you forgive someone if they keep repeating the same offense? What if someone keeps doing it over and over again? What if your spouse is an alcoholic and they just keep on hurting you? What if your friend just keeps on talking behind your back? What if your coworker keeps on stealing all of your ideas? Here's what forgiveness means. It means, or it doesn't mean, I should say, that you are saying what they did is okay. Forgiveness, you must protect yourself. Emotionally, physically, whatever is happening, you might need to separate yourself from the person. But by forgiving them, you're not saying to them what you did is okay. That's not forgiveness. Because what they did was wrong. And you're not saying it's okay, but you're just forgiving them. Because it's a gift. It's a gift. It benefits both people. You don't want resentment. You don't want to hold a grudge. You don't want to stay bitter. That's physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually unhealthy for you. But when you forgive, you give the other person the gift of mercy. Now relationships can be restored. How do you apply this? How do you take this home with you and live it out as a Christian? It's hard. I understand that. I understand the next time that someone does you wrong, you're probably going to have a first instinct to retaliate. But I'm asking you to pray about it. I'm asking you to go to the Lord and pray. And I believe the Holy Spirit will remind you of this teaching. He'll remind you of the parable of the unmerciful servant. That it's 73 million to 100 when it comes to how bad we've offended God versus someone offending us. Ask God in prayer to help you forgive and forget. To choose not to act. Ask God to give you a love for a person that only he has because you can't find it in yourself to love them the way God loves them. But you can ask God to help you. Forgiveness, it's not easy, but it is life-changing. And when you give the gift of forgiveness, you restore relationships. And honestly, we as Christians need to do this in the world we live in today. We need to bring healing into this broken world. We need to lead the way. As Love Life said yesterday when we went on our prayer walk to an abortion clinic and we prayed for everyone, we need to change the culture. Because the culture is not changing itself. We need to change the culture. Christians must lead the way with forgiveness. You're not being the bigger person. You're being the godly person. This is what Jesus would do. You draw the strength from God to forgive. You pray to God and you say, not my will, 
but your will be done. Because that's what Jesus prayed. And that's what we need to do. I want to finish with Joseph's reason for forgiving. Joseph in the book of Genesis. Joseph was the second youngest of 12 boys, and God had favor on him. He spoke to him in dreams, gave him revelations. Joseph's dad, Jacob, loved him more than all the other boys, gave him a special jacket, right, that, that he, that he uh, wore, I'm sure, with, with pride. And his dream was that he would, he would uh, be over his brothers. His brothers would bow down to him. And you know what, men? We're prideful. We got ego issues for days, right? And I'm sure Joseph was not blameless. I'm pretty sure that he let that, his brothers know they would be bowing down to him. So they did what older brothers do to younger brothers. They inflicted pain on him, right? You got a younger brother? You probably hurt them a little bit at one time or another, or a younger sibling. Well, they went a little too far. They sold Joseph into slavery. Changed his life. And when it came time for Joseph to take revenge, when he had that opportunity, when his brothers were bowing down to him because he was in a place of power, Joseph had the opportunity to do it. But he said these most wonderful words. These magnificent words in Genesis 50, 20. He said to his brothers, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And here's what you need to hear. Joseph forgave his brothers because he saw God's plan. It wasn't his plan. It wasn't his will. But he saw God's plan. He saw it was to do good. So no matter what someone does to you, God can turn it into good. If you have that perspective in life, it will change everything. No matter what someone does to you, God can turn it into good. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for opening our eyes to truth this morning. Thank you for loving us and forgiving us. We truly don't deserve forgiveness. We've all all sinned and fallen short of your glory, of your perfection. But Lord, because of your love, because you are love, you sent your son Jesus to die for us. You forgive us through the blood of Jesus. All who call on his name will be saved. Father, I pray this morning as we learn to forgive others, as we see the truth about forgiveness, I pray that if there's anyone here today that needs forgiveness, that wants forgiveness, that they will call on you. As we sing this last song, they will seek you with all their heart. And all they need to do is just pray to you and say, God, please, please forgive me. I want to spend eternity with you. In Jesus' name.